Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Good morning. It really is good to see you all in the building, face-to-face, um, I even shook some hands today. I, I apologize if I infringed upon your uh, your your safety bubble. Um, I get that. Um, we are all learning what it means to get back together, aren't we? And uh, it is good to hear about people who are coming home and who are adjusting. But I tell you, we still need to be praying because there's still people getting sick and uh, lives being altered and changed. So the Today, um, I just want to speak to you out of the seventh chapter of Mark. And I, I, if you have your Bibles, grab them, turn there. If you have your phone or an iPad or, I don't know, if you bring your scrolls to church, um, you can pull your scrolls out. I don't know that that happens too often. But uh, we're going to be in the seventh chapter. And we're going to talk about something that is kind of weirdly connected to COVID. Um, it, it's the idea of cleanliness. And in this passage of scripture, we find Jesus and the religious leaders of the day dealing with this issue of cleanliness. Uh, And in our world today, we understand, uh, or at least we've been inundated with um, conversation and publicity about how to stay safe by remaining clean. You know, washing your hands, sanitizing your hands, you know, disinfecting things. And and we've got lots of things that we do to stay clean uh, these days. Uh, at least in an effort not to become infected. Uh, and in our passage of Scripture today, I'm going to just kind of fill you in on the first 13 verses. We're not going to read those. But uh, it was very common for Jesus and the religious leaders to get into it with each other. Um, I don't know ultimately who is to blame, because I think in part the religious leaders are to blame because they, they, they weren't looking at the right things. They, they were focused on the wrong things. But I think we could also blame Jesus because Jesus is the guy who comes along and challenges the status quo all the time. And so they kind of are both to blame, um, and that's okay, because I think at the heart of this, Jesus wants us to hear about something more than just staying free of, of COVID. Jesus wants us to hear a message this morning about what does it mean to have our hearts transformed and the issue today in this passage, in the first, the first 13 verses, was that uh, the religious leaders had caught some of the disciples uh, eating without going through the ritualistic washing of hands and utensils that uh, was a part of the religious system of the day. And the religious leaders came to Jesus and said, hey, how is it that your disciples aren't doing this and you're okay with that? Well, Jesus um, kind of showed his cards because um, Jesus is bothered by hypocrisy. Uh, This passage of scripture is almost a turning point in Mark's gospel because you have had 
uh, a lot of conversation about miracles, uh, storms. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, time spent on the banks of water. Uh, but now you have this kind of head-to-head conflict going on between religious leaders uh, and Jesus, and it kind of co- comes to a head. And Jesus' frustration with their hypocrisy comes out. And I think we need to listen into this because I, I think Jesus also gets frustrated about our own hypocrisy. When we say one thing, but we do another. When we say all the right words, yet our actions don't back it up. Jesus is bothered by hypocrisy. Um, the religious leaders, they were concerned about outward cleanliness. Uh, they were concerned about washing of hands before eating, which is a good idea. But they had taken it to a level beyond what it was originally intended. They believed, in part, that their outward cleanliness guaranteed their inward right standing with God. If they would just do all the right things, they'd be good with Jesus. But you see, the reason why Jesus is bothered with hypocrisy is that you were created for authenticity. You were created to be the real deal. You were created that the outside and the inside of you would, would match up. That, you, that there would be no inconsistencies between what's going on in your heart and what's going on on the outside. The things you do, the things you say, your passions, your dreams, all these kind of things, that they would be one thing. You were created for authenticity. And in a way, I, we're going to unpack this in just a second, but in a way, authenticity is a great word to define holiness. Holiness, a life that is fully surrendered to God. So this morning, I want to, I want to read for you just a little bit uh, out of Mark one, or 7, but we're going to start in the 14th verse. Mark 7, 14. We read these words. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It is not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. When Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. I'd like to get us thinking about something this morning by asking you a question. And this is going to be a, a, one of these more mornings where I, I really want us to do some inward soul searching. But here's the question. Do you seek to live right in order to gain the attention of God? Or do you live right because you already have the attention of God? In one In the first instance, you are jumping through hoops, 
so that you can get God to notice you, to love you, to, to forgive you, to, to, to be your all in all. Then the second one, you realize, man, I've already got God's attention. He loves me. God is all enamored with me. God wants great things for me. And because of that, our life is lived in response. And so it's not about, you know, chasing after all the works that we have to do to, 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 to get right with God. It's about us recognizing when our heart and the heart of God become one and we get to live out our response to that. It's about God in us. The Pharisees had an issue um, with the fact that the, you know, the disciples weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, but yet they were with Jesus. And somehow, in fact, one of your, some of your translations might have written, written this. They call these things the traditions of the elders. They're not the, the traditions of God. They're the traditions of the elders. These are the, the guys who, in the long history of the religious system, had said, hey, we're going to do this so that we can be right with God. We're going to wash our hands. And in doing that, we will symbolically be cleansing ourselves so that we could be right with God. It's a symbol. Well, sometimes symbols become so much more. They become the reality that we hold on to. So for religious leaders, they said, as long as we're washing our hands, we're going to be good with the Lord. And Jesus comes along and said, oh my gosh, you guys, have, you guys don't get it, do you? You guys have no idea why I have such a problem with this. The religious leaders put their stock in outward cleanliness as a guarantee of inward cleanliness. But Isaiah, uh, if you flip back to the Old Testament, it's one of the big books there. Isaiah, he was a prophet. And he said 800 years before what we have just read, 800 years, he said that uh, people would honor God with their lips, but their hearts would be far from God. Huh. Man, did he know something? Jesus was calling that out right here. He said, hey, wait a minute. You guys, you honor me with your lips. You say all the right things. You do all the right things. But your heart is far from me. You're off in left field. You're doing the wrong things. The motivation is, is completely wrong. And it's interesting that Isaiah spoke that kind of a timely word 800 years before Jesus, because I think Isaiah's words then are, are, are also applicable to us 2,000 years after Jesus today. And we look around and we see people who know how to say the right thing, do the right thing, look the right way, but yet our hearts are far from God. I wouldn't be surprised that in our gathering this morning and, and in just a few minutes in our second service and for those who are online listening, that uh, maybe you are wrestling with this. You know how to play the part. You know that if you show up uh, at church and you say the right things, you look the right way, that people are gonna figure out that you're okay. When in all reality, you're far from it. You're not okay. And you're dying inside. And Jesus is frustrated whenever we put outward rituals ahead of inward reality. God wants you to be whole inside. He, he doesn't want you just to appear whole on the outside. He wants you to be whole on the inside. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he's quoting a verse of, from way back in Leviticus, which is way back at the beginning of, of the Bible. And in Leviticus, we're, we're learning about all the rules the people of God had these rules that they were supposed to follow. 
And if they followed them, that they would, they would be right with the Lord. But he says this in 1 Peter 1.16, you must be holy because I am holy. This, this was an instruction that God gave the people. Be holy because I'm holy. Now, it, as I read this scripture, I, I have a bit of a problem with it because it's a little confusing. And you're like, well, pastor, it says be holy because I'm holy. How is that confusing? Be holy, pastor. Okay. But there's, there's a subtle thing in here that maybe we don't pick up at times. This is not saying be holy because God is a holy standard that we have to live up to. What this is saying is be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And as I live in you, you can be holy as well. You know, it's not about jumping through all the right hoops. It's allowing God to have full reign in your life. It's about not holding on to those certain things that you think are important. It's not holding on to the things that uh, you have accumulated for, for your, own, your own goodness. It's, it's not about that. It's, it's about letting God in. There's a, an image that I, I wanted to give you, and, and it's, maybe you've seen it before. It's, it's on YouTube. You can look it up. And it's this magician, I guess, or, or a guy, and he has all of these sticks on a table. I mean, it's a long table. He can't, I mean, you can't reach the ends of them. He has to walk up and down from, t from the end, one end to the other. And there are all these little sticks sticking up. And he has plates. He has a stack of plates. They're, they're ceramic plates. They're breakable plates. They're not plastic plates. And he starts at one end and, he, and he, he gets it spinning just right. And then he puts another one on and it's spinning just right. And, and he just keeps on going down the line. But invariably what happens is by the time he gets to the middle, he realizes that plate number one is starting to wobble a little bit. So he has to go back and he has to get that spinning again. And he you know, steadies that one and he keeps going down. And then he adds some more. And the goal is that he's trying to get plates spinning on all of these sticks. Well, you can imagine how difficult that is. And there's a few plates that fall and break and, you know, shatter everywhere. And, and he's running feverishly back and forth down these, this row of tables just to try and get everything spinning just right. And I think the image is appropriate for us this morning. Because I think that is the way some of us live out our faith. We have our home life, our relationships, our, our, our work, our our recreation, our finances, and, and, and you can add all sorts of things to that. You know, our, our sexuality, our, our, you know, all sorts of different things. And, and we're trying to keep this one going and this one going and this one. And all of a sudden we realize, oh, yeah, I have a problem in my family. And I got to, oh my goodness, my finances are going, oh, and my relationships. And, and we keep going back and forth and we're trying to, and God says, are you crazy? And we say, yes, we are. We can't, I can't figure out how to do this. I can't keep them all straight. And God comes to us and says, let me do it. And God steps to the table and he takes all the plates down except one. And he keeps that one spinning. That one right there is God as Lord of your life. And as long as God is Lord of your life, it makes sense out of our relationships. And we can honor God with our relationships, whether it's with parents or, or with children or, or grandparents or coworkers or neighbors or boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and we, we can honor God in that because God is Lord of our life. I remember 
There's a few things that are some of just my favorite highlights of ministry, and one of them is in youth ministry. When people would come to me, they, you know, they're dating, and they want to make sure they're all right, you know, that they're jumping through the hoop just right, and then they come to me, Pastor Jeremy. They called me PJ. PJ, how far is too far to go with my girlfriend? And I, 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 I say to them, you're asking the wrong question. Let's live here as God is Lord of your life. And then it's not about how far can you go with your girlfriend, but it's a matter of how can you honor God with your relationship and your finances, how you play sports, how you love your wife and your husband. It all comes down to this. And Jesus was so frustrated with the, with the religious leaders that day because he, they were wanting people to keep all the plates spinning. And Jesus knew that no one could do that. And all that Jesus wanted them to know was, let me be Lord of your life. Let me sit on the throne of your life. This is the life of holiness. It's a life that's fully surrendered. It's a life that says, I, it's not my will, but your will, Lord. It's not how I want things to happen. It's how you want things to happen. It's not me, it's you. It's, it's all about you, Jesus. It's, it, it, it's gonna all be about you. And so when it comes to all of the decisions that I make, it's, it's you first and, and everything else will be ordered and figured out as you are Lord of my life. Unfortunately, some people treat God as a one more of the plates. And unfortunately, sometimes when we have to decide which plate we're going to let fall, the God plate is the one we let fall because we know that God loves us and God's going to forgive us and God's gracious and all that kind of stuff. And, and you're right, God is. But you see, if God is Lord of our life, everything else gets figured out. Everything. Yeah, but, but pastor, if I do that, then I'm going to have to change this, and I really like this. Well, see, that's the struggle. That's the struggle of holiness. That struggle between, well, are we really going to let everything be God's? Our ability to be holy is solely dependent upon God's holiness at work within us. So if you think, man, I just, I, I have been that plate spinner. And my table of plates is really, really, really long. And I am failing miserably at it. You're in a good place because Jesus doesn't want you to keep trying to do that. He wants you to surrender. And you know, you know if you are a plate spinner. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep trying to spin the plate? Or are you going to just fall on your knees before God and say, God, help me figure this out? Would you stand with me? And my question to you is this. Is there something in your life that you need to surrender to God? I remember growing up, 
in these moments when the pastor, who happened to be my dad, you know, he'd, he'd create this, this time where we could respond. And I always thought, oh gosh, I know exactly what dad's talking about. I know exactly what I need to surrender to God and, and I would surrender it. And sometimes I pick it back up. But this morning, I want us to close our, our eyes. I want us to bow our heads and, I, and ultimately I want us to bow our hearts before God and say, God, <clears throat> I've been trying to follow all the rules for way too long and it's just not working. Church, take a moment and name that thing in your life that may be standing in the way of God having full access to your life. What is that thing? Name it. Say, God, this is what it is. I, I get it. I know it. But this morning, church, are you willing to lay it down? Let's go to God this morning <clears throat> and let's leave those things before the Lord. Heavenly Father, this morning, I just pray for every single person who's gathered here today, especially those whom, for whom this word is just kind of hitting them hard right in the chest. Dear God, I pray that you would help us be a people of surrender, not a people of jumping through hoops, but a people just of abandonment, of surrender, saying, God, I give you it all. I give you it all. God, I pray that you would help us do this. I pray that you would help us surrender. I pray that you would give us the strength to take those bold steps in your direction. I pray that you would help us be the people who can turn around 180 degrees and just follow you instead of following after other things. I pray from the youngest in here to the oldest, we would understand what it means to surrender to you. God, help us realize that in surrendering, it's not that we're, we're, we're losing everything. We may be giving up everything, but we're not losing everything. We're actually gaining it all through you. So God, I pray this morning that you would bless us with the sweet assurance of what life looks like, how it functions when we are fully surrendered to you. Lord, Lord, I'm sick of uh, the evil one messing with us. God, we surrender to you. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, I want to send you out with this word. May our holy God find an open and surrendered heart in each and every one of you. And may that holy God fill those crevices of your life and saturate you through and through and through. And may he do so in such measure that you just seep God out everywhere you go. Church, be that people. Be blessed and be a blessing. <laughs>